Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Today, in many ways, what I want to do is actually to to kind of take us all back to basics, to really think about that question, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Our current sermon series is called Path of Discipleship. So we've been thinking about this question from different angles for several weeks. My title today is Learn From Jesus. That's exciting for me as well, because this year I became a teacher, secondary school teacher. So I get to think about how we as Christians can learn from the ultimate teacher and never stop learning from him. But we don't often hear that word disciple in our everyday language outside of church, do we? And maybe you do. I don't. Um, Actually, that's a lie. I do. I teach RE, so I hear that all the time. Um, But we don't generally. But a word that we do hear more often in adverts, on posters, uh, if you're ever on gov.uk, like we hear the word apprentice or apprenticeship quite frequently. A discipleship is a lot like an apprenticeship. Apprenticeship is like an immersive, on-the-job learning experience. You shadow an experienced person and you learn their trade from them. And you can do apprenticeships in all sorts of things. Plastering, building, hairdressing, engineering, digital marketing, the list goes on and on. I became, as I mentioned, a secondary school teacher this year. And the way that I've been training, technically what it's actually called, is by way of an apprenticeship. It's on the job. I have a full timetable. I have done from day one, but I'm also required to watch experienced teachers at work. So once a week, I'll observe a lesson taught by a more experienced practitioner. and I'll come away thinking about how I can use their techniques to stop my year eights from falling asleep or stop my year tens from throwing pens at me when I turn my back. And you know what? Jesus would have spent time being an apprentice, learning the trade of carpentry from his earthly father, Joseph. And the 12 disciples, Jesus' closest friends and followers when he was on earth, got to do the ultimate apprenticeship program. They got to journey with Jesus, live alongside him and soak up everything he said and did. And then when he was still with them in bodily form, uh, he gave them a go. He gave them a chance to do it all on their own. He sent them out and they came back to him to soak up even more. He knew that he would have given them, by the time he went back to heaven, everything they needed to go and start their own apprenticeships to make disciples of all nations. The passage that we're going to hear today, and Caleb's going to come up and read it for us, it doesn't focus on a specific encounter or a specific story of an individual who meets Jesus and has their life turned upside down. Instead, it's a snapshot of what a typical day in the life of Jesus and his disciples was. Matthew, the author, was a former tax collector and one of Jesus' disciples. He was there in the midst of the action. Caleb, come, come, come. Come on. <laughs> and, he, uh, and he records a typical week in the life of Jesus. The passage is Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 to chapter 5, verse 2. Jesus went through Galilee teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease. And sickness among the people, news about him spread all over Syria, and people brought him all who were ill with various diseases, 
those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and paralyzed. He had healed the large crowds from Galilee and the Apocalypse. Nice. nice. Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountain and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Nice one. Thank you so much, Caleb. So... As I said, it's not a passage that deals with a really specific encounter that happened, but it's like a snapshot into the life of Jesus and being one of his disciples watching the action. And imagine, imagine being one of those first disciples getting to watch all this unfold. No day would be the same as the day before. You'd wake up unsure of whether Jesus was going to heal someone that day or perhaps cast out some demons, maybe even raise someone from the dead. Even on those slightly sleepier synagogue days, you'd be waiting for someone to challenge Jesus on an aspect of the Lord, just for him to give them a sucker punch of a response. It's an exciting life. See, the disciples got to learn firsthand from the ultimate teacher. You know, if you're going to do an apprenticeship, you need to be sure that you're learning from the best, that your teacher, the expert you're going to watch, knows their stuff. And look at the passage that we've just read. Every single day, Jesus was modeling what it was that he was going to send the disciples out to do. Everywhere he went, he was healing the sick. He was teaching people about the kingdom of God. He was visiting the synagogue, sparring with the ultra-religious Pharisees on what the law meant. Jesus had the skills and he had the credentials as well. Son of God, Messiah, the word who was with God at the beginning, uh, the image of the invisible God. It's better than my CV. I don't know about yours. But you also need a teacher with the skills, credentials, but also integrity. Someone you can trust. Someone whose words and actions line up. wonder if you're familiar with, with a phrase, do as I say, not as I do. This is something people say when they are fully aware that they are being a hypocrite. Telling other people to do things that they are not willing to do themselves. So let me just uh, paint a picture of something. Imagine, okay, that you're doing an apprenticeship with Andy Armstrong. I thought Andy was going to be here. He told me earlier in the week he wasn't going to be, and I forgot, but it's okay. Okay, Andy's one of the elders here. He, he runs a rug business, okay, and you're doing an apprenticeship with Andy, and you're learning the art of the rug sale, okay? And Andy says, right, for these heavy 25-kilogram rugs, you always need to lift with your knees, okay? That's what Andy tells you. And then Andy leans down one-handed, scoops up one of these 25-kilogram rugs, slings it over his shoulder, one-handed, hauls it up on the shelf. You'd be looking at him like, "What? you told me to lift from the knees. Why should I do that when you're not doing that? He says, ah, do as I say, not as I do. You'd be fuming, wouldn't you? Andy would never do that, okay? He's a man of his word. I've, I've seen also the weightlifter's belt he has to wear when he's lifting rugs these days. He always lifts from the knees every time. (laughs) But let me give you another example of do as I say, not as I do. My mum is a vegetarian, okay, and growing up in my household, we ate a lot of veggie meals, and my mum was very passionate that me and my younger siblings would always eat our vegetables, okay? She'd say things like, you can't get down from the table until you've eaten your vegetables. No pudding unless you eat your greens. Pretty standard stuff for the health-conscious parent, right? 
And at family mealtimes, my dad would back my mum up. He'd say the same things. Can't get down from the table till you've eaten your vegetables. No pudding until you've eaten your greens. But the problem is, he would sit there with a plate half full of the vegetables he had picked out of the vegetarian lasagna that my mum had made. Because my dad doesn't eat vegetables. So what did me and my siblings say? Well, we'd say, why do we have to eat our veg if dad doesn't have to? It's not fair. Do as I say, not as I do. Do you know, I think we're all guilty of doing this sometimes, of imposing expectations on others that we aren't willing to meet ourselves. And Jesus knew that we were all prone to this because he told a parable where he said, don't, uh, don't try and take a speck out of your friend's eye when you've got a log sticking out of your own. He knew this was part of the human condition. But Jesus is the exception. With Jesus, it is never do as I say, not as I do. It is always do as I say and as I do. There is no disconnect between his words and his actions. This is what makes him the ultimate teacher. And as I've been reading my Bible this week in preparation for this sermon, I've been blown away by just how true this is. Let me give you two examples, right? When Jesus was asked what the most important commandments in the law were, the first thing he said was, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And if you look at Jesus' life, you see that every day he modeled just how to love God in that way. He got up first thing in the morning, found the most secluded spot that he could. You know, Jesus told people when he said how to pray, he said, go into your room and close the door. But Jesus didn't have a door or a room. So he had to go to the nearest hill or mountain and find the most secluded spot he could where he wouldn't be disturbed. And he made that time, uninterrupted time, the son of God prioritizing time spent with his father over everything else everything else, even over the apprentices who were depending on him to know what they were going to be doing that day, an immovable part of his day, immovable priority. That is love for God. But even more than this, Jesus showed his love for his father in his obedience. You might have heard it said that obedience is God's love language. This is true from Genesis at the beginning of the Bible, right through to Revelation at the end. It's true in Deuteronomy 11 verse 1 that says, Love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws and his commandments always. That's what it means to love him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands. 1 John 5, 3, the other end of the Bible says, in fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. Jesus knew that love for God was obedience to God. So he fulfilled every requirement of the mission his father had sent him on. He observed the Jewish customs. He went to the synagogues. He faithfully preached the gospel of the coming kingdom of God and called people to repentance. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. And ultimately, he allowed himself to be killed to fulfill God's plan. And in one of the most heart-wrenching, devastating vulnerable moments in the entire Bible is where we see Jesus' obedience put to the ultimate test. As hours before he is to be betrayed and arrested, Jesus falls to his knees in the garden of Gethsemane and says, if there is any other way, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Total submission 
total trust, total obedience. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind. And he loved the Lord his God with his heart, soul and mind. And then Jesus went on, didn't he, when he was asked about the most important commandments, he loved God. And then he said, the second commandment is like the first, love your neighbour as yourself. The Jewish people, they knew both of these commandments because they're both from Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, in the book of the law, the Torah, okay? But they didn't know exactly how to follow these laws. Jesus had identified that they had a very narrow view of what a neighbour was. A neighbour to them was maybe a fellow Jew, someone from their community. So he told the story of the Good Samaritan to challenge this way of thinking about who your neighbour is. A story that's all about loving people who not only are not from your community, but who your community historically has hated. And did Jesus, did Jesus love people in this way? Did he practice that element of his preaching? Did he reach out to people that his community, the Jewish community, rejected? Ask Zacchaeus the tax collector. Or the demon-possessed man from the Decapolis, the ten towns, a Gentile region, a non-Jewish area across the lake from Galilee. Or the woman who crashed the Pharisees' party, ask her, we only know her as sinner. Or the woman caught in adultery, or the Samaritan woman at the well, or any of the countless people with leprosy that Jesus placed his hands on without fear. Ask them whether Jesus loved people outside of his own community. Zacchaeus had been isolated. Everyone hated him because of his job. The demon-possessed man had been living among the dead in tombs because his community wouldn't have him. The sinful woman who crashed the Pharisees' party was the subject of mockery and disgust. The lepers had to live outside the city in colonies. But Jesus didn't care. Or, Or rather he did, when no one else would. Love your neighbour as yourself. Not only did Jesus reinterpret this, he lived it out. Jesus is the ultimate teacher. He taught love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then on the cross, he quite literally prayed for those persecute him, saying, Father, forgive them. He taught blessed are the peacemakers. And then when Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane cut the ear off a soldier trying to arrest Jesus, Jesus put his ear back on. He taught the story of the prodigal son and then died on a cross to make a way for his father to welcome back his lost children with open arms. For Jesus, there was no disconnect between his words and his actions. I've been blown away by this and how true this is this week. I hope it's the same for you. This is perfect integrity. This is practicing what you preach. This is do as I say and as I do. This is what makes Jesus the ultimate teacher. I want to get more practical now, because that was why Jesus is worth learning from. But if Jesus is the ultimate teacher and we're supposed to be learning from him, how do we learn from Jesus? Well, discipleship, I think, is is like an apprenticeship. We learn by watching the expert at work, listening to their instructions, and then having a go ourselves. ideally with the expert's supervision, watching, listening, and doing. In the passage that Caleb read at the beginning of the sermon, we saw what it was like for Matthew and his disciples, uh, Matthew and the other disciples, to watch Jesus at work. When things, uh, when things break in my house, I, I like to try and fix them, 
before paying for new things or paying to get them fixed because I'm, I'm stingy and I'm overconfident. <laughs> the problem is I'm an amateur in most areas of DIY. There, there was an incident with a washing machine that I tried to fix. I won't go into it. Um, but most of the time, right, for smaller jobs... I can find out how to do something by watching a YouTube video about that thing. So, I don't know, recently there's, I don't know how to fill a crack in the wall, so let's see what this Geordie Builder has to say about it on YouTube. And this works for everything except washing machines. <laughs> we had to get a new one, that's the, that's the end of that story. Um, for so many different things, like we can learn how to do something just by watching an expert at work. And watching Jesus at work is central to being his disciple, his apprentice. Because Jesus is the expert on, on how to be human. He rewrote the blueprint that had been corrupted ever since the first people sinned against God. So there is no better person who can model what humanity, worshipping God, our purpose, what that is supposed to look like. And there's not a situation we could face in life where watching Jesus couldn't help us know how to handle it. Now, don't mishear me, okay? There, there isn't a great deal of advice in the Bible about filling a crack in the wall or fixing a washing machine, unfortunately. There isn't a how-to guide on getting your GCSE coursework finished by the deadline or effectively revising for a maths exam. Learning Spanish? Nope. But what about how to respond graciously when someone treats you really badly? Something that all of us will go through at some point. What about how to persevere when times are really tough? What about how to show mercy? How to have a godly attitude towards money? How to pray? How to show your love to God? How to share the gospel? Everyday experiences for the follower of Jesus. Everyday skills. Jesus is the one to watch. He's the expert. And through the witness of the gospels, we get to watch the expert at work and learn from him. I want to encourage you this week, if reading the Bible, whether it's on your own or with other people, or some people like to listen to the Bible through headphones or in the car, if this isn't already a habit for you, I want to encourage you to give it a try. Maybe start with Matthew's Gospel that I'm reading from today, okay? At the beginning, it feels a bit like Christmas and it feels a bit strange, but quickly it starts to feel more normal. This is how we get to watch Jesus at work and be inspired by him reading that with the witness accounts of his life. We learn by watching. We also learn by listening to Jesus. And listening is interesting because it's not something that we're really taught to do. I stumbled across an article this week that was all about this. This wasn't related to my sermon prep. I just came across it and it was on the Gospel Coalition website. Someone called John Coning said this, he said, nobody took me aside and taught me to listen. It's one of the most fundamental skills that a human can master, yet it's not deliberately taught and it's rarely modelled. There are no courses or electives in school and university on this fundamental subject. Ironically, where the mode of learning is by and large through listening, we're not even taught how to do it. Show of hands from the youth. Put your hand up if a teacher has ever told you to listen. Put your hand up if they've ever shown you how to listen. One of you. Point proven. Okay. This isn't actually something we're necessarily explicitly taught how to do, and yet it's something we're all expected to be able to do well. But genuine listening is difficult. 
It's not a passive thing, that's called hearing. It's active, it's deciding that the information being given is worth your attention. It's devoting your attention to it and then perhaps most importantly, it's tuning out the noise around you. Do you know minor arguments break out in our house on a regular basis, I should say, (laughs) on the subject of listening. 99% of the time it's because I haven't listened to Claire's instructions about something. Um, So so once a week, okay, my my mum looks after our our little daughter Rosie and one day at the end of the day, my mum took Claire aside and said, who who packed Rosie's bag today? You can see where this is going, can't you? Um, And Claire told her, she said, Andy, Andy packed her bag today. And my mum said, yeah, I thought so. Um, Because she didn't have any breakfast in her bag and she's wearing tights like they're leggings. The tights, I can't, I think I got her dressed in the dark that day. Um, But the breakfast, this was something that Claire had specifically told me about the night before. And I was kicking myself thinking, oh yeah, and now I remember. Claire said that, she said, don't forget to put Rosie's breakfast in her bag. Okay, she she got fed, don't worry. But I just hadn't decided that that information was worth my attention at the time. I'd allowed the noise to drown it out. How often do we let the noise of the world and our busy lives drown out the voice of Jesus speaking to us? How often do we compromise on spending time listening to what he's saying to us through the Bible and and praying and spending time in prayer, listening, which I think is the harder side of prayer. The speaking part is easier. The listening part is really tough. How often do we compromise on that time spent doing that because work is more important? or because the kids need picking up from school, or because a friend needs help with something at the last minute, or because the washing is piling up to the ceiling, or because we really need to revise for a test next week, or because we haven't rested in ages, so the time we have to rest, we want to spend in front of the TV or on our phones. Our lives can get so noisy, and God's voice is so often quiet. A still, small voice. He speaks to us. He wants us to listen to him. But he doesn't scream at us and shout at us and try to drown everything else out. To really listen to God, we have to tackle the things that we are letting drown him out. For me right now, I'm going to be honest, I started a new job in September and I'm still trying to settle into the rhythm of it. For me, it's work and it's parenting a nearly one-year-old. I'll be completely honest with you that uh, so often when Rosie's finally gone to bed, when I find myself with an evening where I don't have any marking to do, I'm more likely to catch up on The Apprentice than to devote 30 minutes of that time just listening to what Jesus is saying. This is something that I desperately want to change. This has been a conversation between me and Claire in our house recently of how can we change this because we're both in the same position. But we have to be willing to make sacrifices, don't we? Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their cross and follow me, which I can't help but think puts watching a bit less TV in perspective, doesn't it? But also, if if it's for the sake of listening to and hearing from Jesus and learning from him, then it's so worth it, isn't it? It's so worth it. Watching Jesus, listening to Jesus. And then the third and final way a disciple or an apprentice learns is by doing. When we really learn is when we have a go at something ourselves. 
In Luke 10, Jesus sends out 72 disciples, okay? He had 12, suddenly he's got 72, okay? And it's exciting and he's sending them out and he says, I want you to go into the towns and do what you've seen me doing. So you're going to pray for the sick, you're going to heal them, you're going to cast out demons, you're going to tell people all about the kingdom. And the disciples go out. And what I love is that when they come back, it says this in Luke 10, 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They come back from having had a go themselves and they're buzzing at what Jesus has done through them. It's incredible. They got to go out and try what they'd seen him doing for themselves. And then they came back to him rejoicing when they saw the fruit of that obedience. There comes a point in any apprenticeship where the apprentice isn't going to learn anything more until they have a go themselves. And this might involve making mistakes and learning from them. I remember when the idea of praying for healing was really new for me. I was a teen, I was probably about 16, 17. I was at a summer camp. I was, I was a leader in a kids group. And one day we, we were praying for the kids in our group. And uh, one boy said, can you please pray for healing for me? He didn't tell me what for. He just said, can you pray for healing? I said, sure. So I, I prayed for him. And after I prayed, he told me that he'd seen a picture of, um, of him throwing his inhaler in the bin. He had asthma. So I've seen a picture of me throwing my inhaler in the bin. I said, that's amazing. Don't throw your inhaler in the bin. <laughs> so that's amazing. And then he proceeded to run a lap of the big barn that we were in and came back saying, look, I can breathe. It's amazing. It was really cool. And I remember thinking, I need to go chat with his parents and make sure that he doesn't throw his inhaler away to just avoid a potential catastrophe. But it was exciting, but it was nerve wracking as well because it was like a big mistake could be made here but I'm having a go. I want to encourage you this week, think about your life, your ministry as a Christian, as a disciple of Jesus, and try something that you haven't tried before, or maybe in a really long time, something you haven't done for some time, perhaps something you've seen another Christian doing and thought, oh, that looks interesting. I wonder if that could be part of my ministry, my apprenticeship at the feet of Jesus. If someone you know this week says they're feeling unwell or uh, in pain, why not offer to pray for healing for them? See what happens. See what Jesus does. Have you always wondered about spiritual gifts, things like uh, prophecy and tongues and also things like showing mercy and hospitality? Read 1 Corinthians 12 or Romans 12 and ask God what he might want to give you to build up the church. Ask one of the leaders here at CCM Gorton if you can try serving on a rotor you haven't served on before. Even if you're really nervous and not sure if you're qualified for it, just give it a go. Try sharing your story of how you became a Christian or what God's doing in your life recently with someone you haven't shared it with before. Or give someone a simple summary of the gospel message. Invite someone along to the Alpha course that we're going to be doing here. I'm going to just turn the recorder off briefly because I want to share a story that I don't want to uh, necessarily end up online. And so I mentioned that story about me in a really small way, sharing my faith with a colleague at work for two reasons. One is that it's encouraging. God is at work and we need to be sharing stories of the ways he's working in our lives with one another. But also because this was like a brand new experience for me, right? So for some context, before I had this current job, I'd been studying theology for seven years. And during that time, I'd had several jobs. Uh, but one of the, uh, of the last five jobs I've had, four of them were in Christian ministries or the church. So sharing my faith with a colleague who's not a Christian is really quite new for me. 
I feel like one of those disciples who knows that Jesus has spent, who knows Jesus and has spent time listening to him, watching him at work, and now gets to have a go and learn by doing. It's really scary, but I have to trust that the ultimate teacher has equipped me for it. We learn from Jesus by watching him, listening to him, and we learn by doing. I just want to finish by reminding us that a disciple of Jesus never, ever stops learning. One thing I'm learning about teaching in a secondary school is that as a teacher, you are always learning constantly. Like new research one day will tell us that the way we've been teaching is all wrong and we need to do it differently. We need to go back through all our lesson plans and change them. Okay, Rich gets it. Uh, or, Or the specification will change suddenly. Like an English teacher will be told, you've got to teach a book that you've never read before. A music teacher will be told, you've got to teach a genre of music that you've always hated. Uh, An RE teacher will suddenly be told that Zoroastrianism is on the curriculum. (laughs) Not sure, I'll do my research, but... Life changes. The world, oh, bingo, excellent. Yeah, that is, that is the last one on there. Good job, good job. Can we, we need a prize, Deb, we need a prize. Um, yeah. Life changes, doesn't it? The world around us changes. Our circumstances change. Our relationships change. But the word of God never changes. But one of the things about the word of God that never changes is that it is always a double-edged sword. It is always impacting every area of our lives, no matter how they change. And a disciple of Jesus has never finished learning. You may have been a Christian for 65 years or 65 minutes. There is always more to learn from Jesus. I love the story of Mary and Martha in Luke 10. Jesus goes to the house of these two sisters and, uh, and Martha is busy getting everything ready. She's excited to have Jesus with her and she's showing that excitement by getting a massive meal ready and lighting the candles and setting the table and making sure everything's clean and rushing around. And she comes running into the room where Jesus and Mary are and she says, Jesus, why is Mary just sitting and doing nothing? Make her help me. Because Mary's just sitting there at Jesus' feet, listening to him soaking it all up, taking it all in. Jesus said she knows what she's doing. She knows what matters most. Don't you want to be like that? Someone who sits at the feet of Jesus, just learning constantly, taking it all in so I can give it all out and never stopping. Well, being a disciple is like being on the ultimate apprenticeship. Jesus is the ultimate teacher. We get to learn from him by watching and listening and doing And we'll never be finished learning until we walk through the gates of heaven with the ticket that Jesus bought for us. Isn't that exciting?